It is great to be here with you this morning, to be able to walk into the sanctuary with you and to follow Jesus and his disciples as, they, as he entered those city gates riding on the, the back of a donkey. And as we you know, kind of think about, as I think about this day, I've always, I've always kind of looked at it as like a parade. I mean, every, everybody likes a parade, right? I mean, you go to Mardi Gras and you go to the parades, it's, it's fantastic. I love the whole atmosphere that surrounds a parade. You have all the loud music, you have all the kind of the uproar around on the, on the sidelines, on the parade route. And, and, and in Mardi Gras, you have people throwing things at you. It's like dodgeball at night. It's the greatest thing ever. If you've ever been hit in the face with a package of sausage or, or, or a ramen noodles, then you know what excitement is. How wonderful to be able to kind of, you know, defend yourself and, and catch a moon pie and not have a moon pie face. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's the thrill of victory. I just, I love it. And when I come into Palm Sunday, I kind of have that same sense that this is a parade, that we are just filled with this sense of exuberance and excitement. And, and, and Jesus is there and he's riding in on, a, on this well, it's a donkey. Let's it's, it's, it's be real. It's not a war horse. He's not galloping in as a victor. He's riding on the back of this young donkey. And he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have, the donkey doesn't have armor on. He doesn't have any kind of protection. The poor donkey, he's never been ridden before. He didn't know what he's in for. And so they put these cloaks on him and Jesus is sat there, set there, if you will. They pick him up and they set him on the back of this donkey and, and he rides in to the city on the back of a donkey. And the people, people gathered there and there were a lot of people we have to kind of understand, you know, where, the whole backstory of this. That you know, Jesus. We're told in Luke chapter nine that Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. He, in other words, he is determined to arrive in the city of Jerusalem because he know he knows what must take place there. It's in Jerusalem that he will be arrested. It's in Jerusalem that he will face his passion. He'll 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 drink of this cup of the new the new covenant. It's there that he'll be tried. He'll be set on a cross and he'll die for the world. And it's outside those city gates that will be placed in a tomb and on the third day he'll be resurrected. It's a new life. He knows what's in store on the other side of the city gates of Jerusalem. And here we have this, this incredible scene that this is the festival of Passover. This is one of the biggest days in the Jewish life and there are pilgrims coming from everywhere to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. To be able to, to, to purchase their, their sacrificial animal and to, to lead it into the, to the temple courtyards and have the priest help them with the sacrifice. So as, as we're told in Luke, for 10 chapters after chapter 9, that Jesus is, is making his way to Jerusalem from Galilee. 
And he doesn't go, it's not a straight line. He takes this kind of roundabout way to get there to, to avoid going through Samaria. And he makes his way across the Jordan River and up the Jordan Trans, the Transjordan Valley. And he crosses over at Jericho. And there we, we hear about Zacchaeus. And, and we hear about the blind man that Jesus heals. And then he begins this trek, this procession with all these other pilgrims, these bands of pilgrims, families and groups and clans, and they make their way to Jerusalem up this road. They're going south, but they're going up. They're going up to Jerusalem, up this mountain, up to this, this holy city, up to the temple mount, to the courtyards, and they sing songs. They sing these psalms of ascent between 120, Psalms 120 and Psalms 134 is called the Psalms of Ascent. And they advance. They're structured. That as they get closer to the city, the psalm changes. As they get closer to the city gates, the, the psalm changes. As they enter the city, the psalm changes. And as they enter the courtyards of the temple, the psalm changes. And as they enter the, the, the deeper courtyards, as the men enter those courtyards, the psalms change. We find Jesus and his disciples joining in this pilgrimage joining into this procession, this march that makes its way to Jerusalem. When they arrive outside the city limits called Bethphage and Bethany, they, they find there, you, they, scholars estimate there's some 100,000 pilgrims gathered in, in tent cities all outside the city walls. 100,000 people gathered in tents waiting to celebrate Passover. Think about that. That's the setting. And when Jesus arrives, he tells his disciples, go into this next city, and there you'll find this colt. And untie the colt and bring the colt back. And if anybody should ask you, you just tell them the Lord needs it. And that'll end it. And they ask him, why are you untying the colt? Well, the Lord needs it. Okay. And then begins this incredible showing, this, this image that just screams who Jesus is, and Jesus hasn't said a word. They bring this colt back, and they, they, lay their, they take their cloaks off, and they lay them on the, on the back of this donkey to create this, this saddle for Jesus, And then they take Jesus, they pick him up, and they set him on top of this donkey. And then as he makes his way closer to Jerusalem, people, his disciples begin to lay their cloaks out on the road so that this poor donkey, who's never had a rider, is now riding, not, now walking not on the road, but on cloaks, on this, this royal red carpet made of men's cloaks. Jesus hasn't said a word. And the disciples, by just laying their cloaks on the road and on the back of this donkey, have screamed who Jesus is. They have more than chanted and sung the Psalms. They have declared by sign and symbol who Jesus is. And it is as loud as a flashing horn. This is the anointed one of God 
who we have placed all authority. He now leads us, and we will go wherever he tells us, and wherever he leads, we will follow. That's what this whole symbolism of taking their cloaks off and laying it on the, on the back of the donkey and laying it on the road, that, that's what they're saying. The cloak was a, was a way of saying we are Jewish and we are under the authority of God. And when they took their cloaks off and they laid them on the back of that donkey and they laid them out on the road for the donkey to walk carrying Jesus on its back, they're declaring, they're proclaiming, they're shouting this is, this is the authority of God, and we're submitting to it. This is the Messiah. This is the King, and we are submitting to our King. This is the power of God, the authority of God, and we will follow this voice, this man, wherever he leads us. Now, surely that's, that's really good news, right? That will make you want to shout. And they did. They laid their cloaks out. They shouted. They lifted their voices. They shouted the Psalm 118, a declaration of who Jesus is, that this is the anointed one of God. This is the king. This is who God sends to save us. In the middle of this entire atmosphere of a feast that is remembering and recalling that God has saved them from the Egyptians, has delivered them from slavery and bondage across the Dead Sea, into the wilderness, and into the Promised Land. They're recalling all of this. This is the purpose of the festival, the God's presence, God's deliverance. And now they shouted again, God is with us, God is delivering us today. Wow. Now that's a fanfare. You know, we had Bishop Lawson Bryan speak last week and delivered a wonderful, powerful message. I, I could listen to him every, every day. And I had the privilege, just as many of you did for years, to hear him deliver sermons. And last Sunday, he talked about the question, do you perceive it? He closed out this wonderful time we had together, going, making a way in the wilderness. God makes a way in the wilderness. God makes a way into the city. Lawson last week asked us, do you perceive it? I can't imagine a better question for today on Palm Sunday. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive, do we perceive what God is doing in our midst? This beautiful divine work, this presence and action of God delivering God's people. Do we perceive it? Those in that march and that parade and that procession, they thought they perceived it. They perceived something, something special was happening and it was worth shouting about. It was worth laying our cloaks on the, on the back of that donkey and laying our cloaks on the floor. It was worth every movement, every word. But do we really perceive it? How do we really receive this procession of Christ into the city of Jerusalem? Do we really understand what's happening? Because it is certainly a, there's a sense of joy and a sense of, of exhilaration and exuberance, but there's also another sense playing out here. There's a sense of a, a very somber sense, a sense of sorrow is being played out. And then Luke, this gospel writer, holds these two 
emotions, these two receptions in tension. Certainly we should celebrate, and we will today. We have been already. There, are, there have been people working in the, in, the, in the fellowship hall getting ready for our lunch. There have been um, people cooking meals and dishes for a night or two getting ready for today. There are people who have been sending in eggs, dropping eggs off, dropping candy off, so that our children can go out and, and find the Easter eggs. They, can, they know something's hidden out there. And they're going to go out and find it. All these Easter eggs. And we're going to be able to sit together and have a meal together. First time in three years. Fanfare, please. What a moment. As we gather together this afternoon for lunch, as we gather together and we watch these children hunt these Easter eggs, I hope and I pray for myself and for all of us gathered here that we will perceive it. That God is doing something divinely beautiful in our midst. And I hope we perceive it. I hope we see it. And when we do, that we'll proclaim it in sign, in symbol, in deed, in word. Let us shout out what's happening, where God is, what God is doing in our life. That's what Palm Sunday is about. It's about lifting up all the, this, the, the full spectrum, if you will, of emotions. That God has come, God is coming, and God has, will come, and He's going to do something divinely beautiful. Salvation for the world. Evidenced by this cosmic Messiah riding in on a donkey. And if we, the people of God, don't lift our voices and show the world in sign and deed, then God will turn to the stones on the side of the road. And they will shout that the cosmic Messiah, that the kingdom of God has come near. So I, I experience Palm Sunday with this sense of excitement, sense of a parade. But there's the other side. If we read further in Luke chapter 19... If we go to verse 41 and continue reading this story, we see another reception. We'll see how Jesus receives this procession, this, this palm procession. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set apart ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Do you perceive it? Do we perceive it? My hope, my prayer, is that we perceive God in our midst. 
wherever God decides to show up, every day on Palm Sunday, every day of Holy Week and Easter Sunday, and every day after, let us seek out God. Just as children will look for Easter eggs, let us look for God's presence in our midst. And when we see it, when we perceive it, let us rejoice in it. Let us proclaim it. Let us throw our cloaks on the ground and let us shout and sing songs. Let us declare to the world every means possible that God and the kingdom of God has come near to us dwells among us and within us. And then, then we, then we can declare for ourselves that God has done something for each and every one of us. Something divinely beautiful. Salvation. For me and for you, for the entire world. Do you perceive it? How do you receive it? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.